Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. Well, Joe, uh, we've had some titanic shifts in the world of college football in the last couple of weeks. It's been basically a year of change in college football, considering it's, it's about a year now since NIL came into play, and we've seen all the changes in recruiting, change in the power structure of college football. Uh, of course, that, that change uh, – you know, it was right before when you had a huge shift with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12 to come to the SEC. And we all kind of knew that conference realignment wasn't done, but this latest uh, conference realignment has really just kind of left me dumbfounded. Uh, I, I can't believe it. It makes no logistical sense. I get it from a marketing and a financial standpoint. But USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten to me is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, Dan, uh, I share that same uh, perspective because you think about uh, theoretically, hypothetically speaking, you're going to have a situation where you have a series like baseball series, basketball game, whatever, that's scheduled with USC traveling to Rutgers. And that's just, you know, a cross-country trip. And so I don't know if they've really thought about that enough. Um, I know they're doing it, obviously, for kind of the marketing purposes and getting the L.A. market to the Big Ten. Uh, That's right, Joe. I mean, even, you know, not quite that far, but just a little less. I mean, I went to the Auburn-Penn State game last year and went to Happy Valley. That's not an easy place to get to either. It's in the middle of nowhere, uh, not not a whole lot of airport space. I mean, that's going to be a logistical nightmare, even getting a USC or UCLA plane to get there. Which, by the way, one thing that I had heard for the longest time is that UCLA did not charter flights for their athletic program for any sport. Well, that's going to have to change ASAP. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I did not know that either. And you think about the travel, Dan. I think that over time, this may be somewhat of a competitive disadvantage for UCLA and USC because I think the travel is going to wear on both of those uh, teams and schools, especially when it comes to sports like baseball, when you're having to travel so often, or even basketball. I mean, in basketball, in the conference schedule, you'll probably play two games per week. And so I would assume if they have a road trip, you would play, you know, the entire week on the East Coast. But still, like, that's going to wear on you. Like, you always see teams um, in professional sports leagues, like uh, I've heard it said before about the Seattle Mariners in Major League Baseball, that one reason that they, you know, miss the playoffs so often is that over time during a long season, the travel to the Pacific Northwest back and forth really wears on that team. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to be a situation here with both of these schools. Well, absolutely, Joe. I mean, you think about it, you could have a three-week period where hypothetically you could play Penn State, Rutgers, and Maryland all in a three-week stretch. And that would mean, let's say you had them all on the road, you're going to the East Coast three weeks in a row. And I guess presumably you'd have to come back for a couple of days to go to class and everything. And that's just insane. Can you imagine how much it's going to cost the university with, uh, with all the air travel they have? I mean, they're really making up the money on the media rights. I, I mean, obviously, these are people that are much smarter than me that are looking at these deals and they're thinking it's worthwhile. But with the rising price of gas right now, that's going to be crazy. No, it really is. Economically speaking, with those prices, that's definitely a good point. Now, I will say that the Pac-12 as a conference has always been good about making sure, for instance, if you're, you know, traveling to Oregon to play Oregon State, 
in basketball, they make sure that you also on that same road trip play Oregon as well. But again, that's the Pac-12. I don't know if the other Big Ten member schools would want to be on board with that. Right. And something else you want to think about, too, Joe, is that, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans in Happy Valley in Ann Arbor in Columbus, Ohio, that really want to go to the Coliseum to go to a game, that want to go to the Rose Bowl for a game. Are California people really going to be that psyched about going uh, to Columbus, Ohio, to go into the big house, uh, to go into play a game in Michigan State? They're not going to want to deal with that weather. I don't think you're going to see as many USC and UCLA fans making the travel there. And I think you may actually have a lot of empty seats in some of these games. Yeah, and I also think the novelty will wear off over time, too. I think the first year or two, there could be some excitement. Then it's like, you know, I don't want to make a cross-country trip, especially where it's like for every road game. Yeah, I mean, Joe, I went to, in 2003, when Auburn played USC at home, this is when they had Matt Leiner, Reggie Bush, all that. It was the first year they won the national championship. I didn't see, I don't remember seeing barely any USC fans making that trip. And, I mean – I know Auburn played there the year before, and I know a lot of Auburn people made that trip because they were excited to play in the Coliseum. But I didn't see a whole lot of reciprocation in 2003 when they came to us. I mean, I remember there wasn't a lot of great things to remember about that game because they beat us really handily. But I don't remember seeing a whole lot of USC fans. And so I think that's something that from a ticket sales standpoint is actually going to backfire on them a little bit. That certainly could be the case for sure. Another thing, when I was doing some research earlier tonight, that kind of surprised me, you know, we think about the marketing aspect of both of these schools and what they bring to the table with the L.A. media market. But I was kind of surprised with the enrollment numbers. Uh, Their enrollment numbers are obviously really good, like close to 50,000 students at both respective schools. But compared to some other Big Ten member schools, like they're not quite, you know, that close to the top. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State is one of the top three largest schools in America. I think its enrollment's about 70,000, right? I mean, I think it's a little bit it's north of that. And I think Michigan State's quite big. I know Penn State, I was shocked when I was there at how big it was. I'd never seen a campus like that. They have more than 60,000 students to go to Penn State. Yeah, you kind of think about every uh, Big Ten school kind of being like this academically-minded institution that's a little bit more smaller and exclusive. But no, it's really kind of surprised you that all of them except for, I guess, the Northwestern are really big. Well, it's like, I I remember when we were at that game, you know, you think about it when you're in Oxford or when you're in Auburn, taking a walk from the stadium to go to something to see on campus isn't that big of a deal. I mean, you know, it might be 15 minutes, it might be 20 minutes. Well, we took a walk from the stadium from where we were at a tailgate to go see Old Main, which is like the legendary building at Penn State which is the geogra- it's built at the geographic center of the state of Pennsylvania, this magnificent building they have. It's kind of their flagship building. It was a 45-minute walk, Joe, to get there from the stadium. It was, I mean, it was like wow. a three-and-a-half-mile walk. And, you know, that's, you don't have three-and-a-half-mile walks at any university I'd ever been to before. Well, if you go all the way from L.A. on a plane to Happy Valley and then you got to walk into that long, that's definitely not going to have people too happy. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it's definitely, I think that I understand why they did it. Of course, all these things are done by television markets and television deals, and that's who dictates these. But I think it's going to be bad for the student athletes. I think that you're right. I think the novelty is going to wear out for the fans real quick. And, you know, there's a lot of fun that gets poked at the Pac-12. I've made my jokes about the Pac-12 before, too, the Conference of Champions. Uh, But I hate to see it go, though. I mean, to me, it was a necessary conference. It made sense. 
It's one of yeah. the oldest conferences. I believe that it started in the 1920s. And that, uh, that I think Oregon, I think it was Oregon, Washington, I think Oregon State and Cal are like the charter members of it. And I mean, yeah. and now you're going to have a, a conference that's been around for 100 years, which in my mind, I'm, it, I struggle to see it surviving through this. I do. Yeah, it's um, about to see some wholesale changes. I think there's going to be a lot of expansion talks, you know, with a lot of these teams moving either to the Big Ten to join USC and UCLA or to the Big 12. And now, Joe, here's the question that I have. So you saw that, you know, they got the two L.A. teams. They got USC and UCLA. Presumably, in my mind, you know, it depends on which way they approach this. You would think that they approach it from a football standpoint. And if football was the mindset of it, then USC was probably the one they targeted first. With Lincoln Riley coming in, all the hype that you have with USC being back, and then, of course, you know, not too distant memories of USC being the toast of college football. It's UCLA, it's been a long time since I remember them being very good at football, maybe since the early 2000s. When you want to look at an overall athletic program, UCLA probably has the best athletic program in America, I think. When you want to yeah. look at holistically in all the sports, I mean, you think about their softball program, their basketball program, their baseball program. They all have national championships within the last five years, every single one of them. And then, you know, from other things like, you know, they're going to have sports that you don't know about they're good at, like water polo, volleyball, these kind of things. And it's something that it's great at. But for this kind of move, you got to think that football is the is the thought process with it. So I think it's almost like USC said, we'll go, but only if you take UCLA. Yeah, they didn't want to, you know, deconstruct that rivalry. And then also just makes so much sense with them staying in the same conference. At least those two schools will have a short road trip when they play each other. Yeah, <laughs> be the only time that they have uh, an easy trip. Otherwise, it's going to be awful. I mean, I was thinking about it the other day. I was talking with my wife. I guess the closest game that they could play would be Nebraska, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I mean, and I remember when that that move happened, Nebraska joined the Big Ten. That seemed like a big jump to me. That seemed like, wow, I mean, Nebraska, that's totally Big 12. Like, why would they ever join the Big Ten? And Yeah, they ruined it for everybody. They, they're kind of that domino effect. Nebraska did ruin it for everyone. And, and Joe, you wonder now, like, I mean, what's about 20 years since that happened? If you think 20 years from now, is Nebraska really in a better place than they were 20 years ago? Yeah, it seems like it's been all downhill with their football program from there. Well, I think – didn't they move after the 2009 season? So that's I think 20 that was... years. Joe, you're right. That's more like about 13 years ago because they – the last year they were there was the Indomitian Sioux year where they lost in the Big 12 championship to Texas, right? Yes, and that was really the last time that their football program has been, you know, that relevant outside of just talking about the coaching hires. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's it's been uh, a complete – you know, it's been a complete dumpster fire since then. It's like them and Tennessee kind of fell apart at the same same time, and neither one of them has been able to get it back. And two of the classic programs in college football, I guess Nebraska is still a little bit closer to success than where Tennessee is. But, yeah, I mean, ever since they moved to the Big Ten, I don't even know they've had a year where they won eight games. Yeah, it's hard for us to think of it. You're right. So it's kind of funny that it's almost like Nebraska right now is getting karmic retribution for destroying the game that we love and messing all these conferences up by they have some kind of curse put on them where they're never going to be good at football again. It seems that way. Something about the corn fields, I guess. 
And Joe, on the other side of that, their partner in crime that began this whole conference realignment thing, Colorado, they were really good in the early 2000s and the late 90s. They hadn't done anything since then either. That's true. And really not in any sport. Like I can think of maybe Colorado going to the Pac-12 championship game one time. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, their basketball program, base, I don't even think they have a baseball program. It's, you know, Nebraska doesn't do anything in basketball or baseball either. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's like all the major sports, they haven't had anything. And Colorado was one that was good at a lot of sports. I mean, in the mid-90s, they had Chauncey Billups. They had a really great basketball program. You know, yeah. course, like I said, they almost won the national championship in the late 90s and early 2000s. They did win a national championship, I want to say, in like 1990 in college yeah. football. And since they joined the Pac-12, things went by the wayside. It ain't kind of poetic justice that they ditched on the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12, and now the Pac-12 is no longer going to be in existence. And it's completely possible that they have to get reabsorbed by the Big 12 in order to actually be in a Power 5 conference. Quite the irony there, for sure. Yeah. And so with that being said, Joe, you know, last year, the same time when you and I were digesting Oklahoma and Texas being in the SEC, we were asking ourselves, does the Big 12 survive this? Obviously, those are the major brands of the Big 12. I mean, there's other brands that are good. Oklahoma State's a solid brand. Baylor wasn't for a long time, but it's become a very good brand. And now they're one of the best in in both college basketball and college football. Uh, You know, Kansas State became a good one only because of Bill Snyder, essentially, and a little bit on the basketball side of it with Frank Martin. But really, outside of that, I mean, Kansas basketball, the Big 12 was heavily reliant on Texas and Oklahoma. And when they left, I was worried about what happened to them. You know, you bring in what? You bring in Houston, UCF, BYU. BYU is worth a lot. That's That's a big fish right there. But they're not making up near what you lose in Oklahoma and Texas. And now the question is, does the Big 12 you know, keep themselves in this age where it's starting to look more and more like you're going to have two conferences, the Big Ten and the SEC. Do they make a move to, you know, nab some of these other Pac-12 teams and keep their existence in the same uh, in the same vein, destroy the Pac-12? I think they're going to have to, Dan, develop that sense of urgency if they want to salvage their conference and stay afloat. Because otherwise, with the schools they've added, you're right, you know, it's huge to add a BYU but you're really most relevant right now when it comes to college basketball because you've got Kansas, you've got Baylor, you've got BYU, Cincinnati's been to a final four in their mm-hmm. history. Uh, Houston's been to the final four a couple of years ago. looks like, you know, they could win a national championship any given year over the next couple of years. And so basketball is great. Maybe never been better as a conference, but football, I mean, you've definitely got to have some expansion if you're going to stay relevant. Yeah. And so we'll be see what's happening. Like, you know, of course, now, thinking about what's left of the Pac-12 back to the Pac-10 like it used to be, obviously, Oregon and Washington, in my mind, would be the two biggest fish that you want to get. And you think about it, when you're expanding a conference, you got to always do it in multiples of two because you have to keep the even amount of teams in it or else you yeah. get in that weird situation like the Big 12 was when they had was it nine teams at one point. And it was kind of weird. And they, you know, I guess they just made it with the top two teams had to play each other in the championship. Yeah. Uh, you know, in my mind, what happens with Oregon and Washington? You feel like if Oregon and Washington were to have gone to the Big Ten, this would have all been part of the same package deal, I feel like. But they got left out. 
So is that going to be someone who's going to go to the Big 12? Is it possible that you see the SEC make another reach? Doubtful with how much they're having to put into that. Or does the Big 12 go out and have those two programs? It's hard to say because you still hear speculation that Oregon and Washington want to join the Big Ten. But you're right. You know, at this point, you would almost be the leftovers, you know, to, to join the conference at this point. And so I feel like you're going to see something happen. Like it's either you're going to see Washington and Oregon make a move or you'll see these other Pac-12 teams that are still left that are like, you know, we've got to get out now. We can't just rely on, you know, Oregon and Washington to kind of salvage the relevancy of this conference. They may move down the road. Well, Joe, and what's, what's interesting too, you know, you always talk about the be careful what you wish for, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, with, with we started it off talking about Nebraska and Colorado. They wanted to get out. The Big 12 wasn't good to them, so Nebraska went up to the Big Ten. <laughs> Colorado went out to the Pac-12. And, man, things went bad for them. USC, a year ago, uh, you know, it's the, it's the greatest thing ever. Lincoln Riley's in here. Uh, we're, we're so great. We're bringing the Pac-12 back. The USC brand is back. Coliseum's going to be lit again. They're going to be winning national championships. Everyone's like, wow, the Pac-12 is back. Look how Lincoln Riley saved the Pac-12. And now it's like this was like a precursor to the end of the Pac-12. And it's almost like you wonder if this was part of the sell job that was brought to Lincoln Riley when uh, USC came calling was, hey, you know, people are going to say that you're trying to escape from the SEC, that you're scared of Alabama, Georgia, Auburn, LSU, et cetera, et cetera. But really what's going to happen is you're going to get paid all this money. We're going to throw dump trucks of money at you. And actually what you're going to do is we're going to be able to afford this because USC is going to join the Big Ten if they have your name associated with the football program. Not very far-fetched, is it? No, it's really not, Dan. It almost feels like a level of uh, premeditation. And, you know, that may have been what spurred the move for him to go out to Los Angeles when you kind of uh, put all factors um, in the air. Yeah, so it's just it's just so funny to me how I think about, you know, there was so much optimism about where the Pac-12 was going just, you know, one short year ago. And then now you're facing down, I, I mean, in my mind, I think it's more than likely they're not going to exist within a couple of years. No, I think not. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that you're going to see that two or three just kind of power conference model. And so, you know, now you look at it as – it's still the quote-unquote power five, right? Uh, you got two that are clearly way ahead of everyone else. And now it's the, the Big 12 and the ACC. What's going to happen with them? You got to think if you're the ACC right now, you have to get Notre Dame. You have to get that thing side-sealed and delivered. If you want to secure, you know, your existence in perpetuity, you got to get Notre Dame right now because right now you kind of have them, right? You have them, they play a lot of ACC teams in football. The year of the pandemic, they were an ACC member for one season. You yeah. have them in all the other sports, but you don't have them signed, sealed, and delivered completely. So you got to think they have an early lead on this, but Notre Dame is, is going to say, is that really a sound financial decision to actually join the ACC completely? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the big question. Now, we do see, you know, on a, a different level, obviously, not quite the same uh, prestige maybe as Notre Dame doing it, but, you know, pretty uh, interesting too, BYU going from independent to joining the Big 12, you know, so maybe that kind of sets that precedent for Notre Dame. 
That's right, Joe. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens with Notre Dame because, uh, you know, in my mind, you either got to think it's going to be the Big Ten or the ACC because I just don't see Notre Dame being in the, AC, in the SEC, and I certainly don't see them being in the Big 12. So I would think if they make that decision, it's going to be one or the other. And, but, you know, you also think, does this maybe strengthen their resolve to say, we're never joining a conference because why would we join a conference when all you're doing is reshuffling it all the time? In fact, if I was, if I was in Notre Dame position right now, I would double down on the fact that I'm never joining a conference. Well, if I did, I definitely probably wouldn't do it until things were a little bit more stationary. Like all this movement right now, you know, who's to say that you join a conference and where is, you know, it stand like a year from now? Like I'd be a little bit nervous about, you know, uh, jumping right now. That's right. You know, Joe, I think the only positive thing that we can say is that we're, we're fans of teams that are charter members of the SEC and the SEC is not one that's getting picked off from teams. So that's good. Yeah, there's a funny SEC shorts video out I saw this week about uh, they were doing like an interview for like SEC expansion. And it was kind of funny to see some of the teams, you know, they're on the short list. So definitely recommend people check that out. Yeah, I had a friend of mine send that to me. That's one that I want to check out because uh, it looks pretty funny and those are usually good. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I this has been the one that upset me the most. At least Oklahoma and Texas was somewhat palpable to me. Because when you think about what's historically considered the South, Texas does yeah. fall within that to an extent. I mean, you know, you think about it, like there's parts of Texas that are right there next to Louisiana that are even on the Gulf. And there's at least a Gulf of Mexico connection. You think about the, the culture of Oklahoma, while to me it's a little bit more of a Western culture, it still somewhat fits within what you think. What do you think about the SEC? It's contiguous, right? I mean, you yeah. can even say to build Arkansas and get to Tulsa, Oklahoma in an hour and a half. They're right there next to each other. So that makes a little bit of sense. There's, you know, they're all teams that used to be in the old Southwest Conference. They got in the SEC. But when you do this, suddenly there's no even history. There's no geographical relation. It's completely from media rights, and it destroys every kind of rivalry you ever had. It really does, Dan. Uh, very well said. And it kind of just adds to that kind of uh, ever-growing professional sports theme, you know, that we've reached with NIL. That's right, Joe. And I mean, you know, the, well, I want to leave it with this. The last thing that scares me about this is that the more we have these conferences grow, the less you have those, those ties that soon you're going to see a lot of rivalries go away. Right now I get to enjoy Auburn playing Georgia and Alabama every year. That's not a given going forward. It's not a mm -hmm. given that we'll get to see Auburn and Ole Miss every year moving forward. You'll get to see Ole Miss and Mississippi State, Ole Miss and LSU. These things are making it to where you've already lost Texas and Texas A&M. That's gone by the wayside. You lost the backyard brawl with Pittsburgh and West Virginia. Um, you know, so far, most of the SEC teams have escaped this. But if you keep growing all these teams, there ain't enough games for this to work. Yeah, and I saw this a little bit firsthand on that lower level, like in the mid-major conferences with Conference USA. Um, you know, uh, being in the Hattiesburg area, I can think about how much that conference has changed over the last 20 years. And like where it was at in the early 2000s, you know, you had the Houstons and the Tulanes and the UABs and Southern Misses all together. And then like there's been this revolving door over the years, different teams coming in. And suddenly, you know, USM went from having those natural regional rivalries with like a Tulane or a Houston 
to suddenly having to play teams like Marshall, you know, where they just don't have that tradition against them or Old Dominion. And so it definitely has an impact. And, if, you know, if it has an impact in Conference USA, I just can't imagine, you know, what it's going to be like on the uh, power conference level. That's right, Joe. We're about to see that, that impact playing out in front of us very soon. I want to thank uh, all of you listening to the impact that you make on our show. It makes us get to do this. We love uh, getting out here and being in front of you every Wednesday night. And um, also want to thank our sponsor. That would be, uh, you know, Beach Ball Properties. If you want to have a summer vacation right now, it's prime time at the beach. It was in the 80s today. Give Hunter and Ginger a call at Beach Ball Properties to go have a ball at the beach in Orange Beach or Gulf Shores. And if you want to catch all road episodes, you can listen to them on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch all the Dan and Joe episodes on that. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.